Hello and welcome back to Poolside Podcast. My name is Jay. And my name is Blake. And today we have a special guest vocalist, Michael Skaggs of Outlining Color. Welcome, Skaggs. What's going on, guys? Hanging out with you, that's what's up. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so, of course, we appreciate you being here with us today. But before we get into our interview and everything, I just wanted to remind our listeners that if you enjoy listening to Poolside Podcast each week and you want to help support the show, you can support us completely for free by sharing this on social media. Word of mouth is the number one way for this podcast to grow. That's right. If you want to go a step further and get bonus content, you can subscribe at patreon.com slash poolsidepodcast. So, to Today we have Michael Skaggs of Outlining Color. It's absolutely fantastic having you on here. Do you want to tell us a little bit about the band? So who are the members and uh, when did you guys start? Um, myself, Michael Skaggs. I do vocals. Uh, Jonathan Grimes plays bass and also does vocals. CJ Cochran plays guitar. And uh, Austin McFerrin plays drums. We've been a band for just over a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, when Austin joined the band, he was 15. <laughs> wow. So, like, a lot has happened in, in that time. And um, I would say that we're a, a metal core or a core band. Um, our, our, our sound has kind of changed and evolved over the years, but we've kind of stayed within that, like, genre or niche. Okay. Abso- absolutely. It's definitely something that's heard throughout um, your discography. So, Skaggs, uh, I feel like we're, like, in a pre-celebration because <laughs> your birthday is tomorrow. Heck yeah. Right, it, it, May fifteenth. That's right. We don't have to. You don't have to give us your age or anything. That's fine. We oh, don't want to talk about that sometimes. <laughs> I'm it's fine. So old. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm turning thirty two. Hell yeah, man! Welcome, welcome to Dude, the I'm, I'm just a baby here, right? <laughs> well, well, Derek's birthday. By the way, he says happy birthday to you. He made sure to tell me to tell you that. Well, thank you. Happy birthday to you as well, since it is actually his birthday. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck so he's yeah. not joining us. Wait, mass. I sent him some. I sent him some hot sauces because he sent me some hot sauces from Hot Ones, and it fucked me up. So. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, my 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 friend Kyle just did that like last week, like at a at a like at dinner like they they ordered all the sauces and they like made all the wings and that went through the whole thing the whole challenge cool. yeah <laughs> yeah derek and i do that like on the side often pretty much like hey what's up with this sauce <laughs> that's awesome i'm a i'm a purveyor of spicy things oh uh, so skags you seem to be quite busy with uh outline of color of course and as i, I saw on your instagram you have like a million side hustles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could say that, I suppose. Oh, right. Yeah. You're, you're pretty busy, like, running the band. Seems like you have a um, record label, and you also are, are a businessman, I see. Uh, yeah, I kind of do whatever is necessary, I guess. And ultimately, I, I learn a thing or two, and somewhere along the lines, different skills that I pick up doing different random bullshit here and there kind of convalesces and helps me in other areas of my life so i'm always down to like learn new things or new trades or crafts and stuff like that but right now um i i kind of like do point stuff for the band i guess like we don't really have management so like i'm, I'm kind of like that guy for us i'm always trying to like get us in the studio with like different people and collab with different people and stuff so that's kind of like a job oh yeah then uh i work for a hash company uh, here in town, like I, I manufacture like hash rosin. Well, I, I make the bubble hash end of the uh, right. the process, but uh, I'm I'm involved in a couple grows that are in process, like pending licensing right now, and um, I'm kind of all over the place. I even do some screen printing and make T-shirts and stuff like that. I think we've seen some of um, some of your business in in a music video recently, so it kind of puts it all together. 
You're in your element. Oh, true, yeah, true. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That was actually like a low key something that I'd always wanted to do long before it was like legal to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was cool to like actualize that dream. So is everything like legal in Oklahoma? I, I don't know. We just got legalized here in Jersey. So uh, same in Louisiana. It's uh, medical here, but it's okay. very liberally medical. There's there's uh, like 400,000 medical patients in our state or something like that. Okay, it's, and sick. It's not Jersey. Like, I mean, the population density here isn't like. Right. You guys are more spread out for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's we got that like, in, like a, half our town. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think there's like maybe a couple million people in, in my, my city or something like that. I live in the second biggest city in the state. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. So geographically, I'm trying to find, like, figure out in my mind what square Oklahoma is in the map. Straight north of Texas. That one. Okay. Because Arkansas is above us. Well, me. Right. Arkansas is not far. I could I could be on the edge of Arkansas in like forty five minutes. I've only flown over Oklahoma, but the last time I went, it was like storming super super bad. And the pilot he comes on the thing and he's like, "Hey guys, I uh, just want to let you know, don't be alarmed. We're gonna fly through a tornado." And just like <laughs> the air and the, just the air pressure just went. <laughs> And he's like, it's fine. We do it all the time. Like, don't even worry. We're going to fly right through that tornado. And if you look out your left, you can see it. And it was just like the biggest fucking tornado I've oh ever seen. God. It was just like. That's crazy that you talk about a tornado. We just had a tornado go through one of the streets in New Orleans. And like, Damn. Louisiana does not get tornadoes. Yeah, that's wild. And I'm like, what? It's like went down like the street from downtown on Poydras. So I'm like, what the hell? That's not. It was my Lyft driver. I'm like, okay, I guess I believe you. I mean, like, you're, like, around a that's lot. Credi- so. That's credible enough for me, dude. Right. <laughs> I mean, not just anybody can be a Lyft driver. <laughs> right. So, uh, you guys just released an EP, Imposter Syndrome Part 2. What, uh, what, what is your plans for, like, 2022, like, going forward? Because you, you had, like, back-to-back EPs with the two Imposter Syndromes. Do you guys plan on putting out, like, a full LP anytime soon? Until very recently, the plan was to, to put out like a deluxe album okay. with like new songs and stuff. But uh, things have recently changed, and we're we're likely going to be putting out uh, either another EP or a full length album or some kind of something in between. Was the change was the change like a good change? Yeah, a multitude of good changes. It absolutely looks like things are working in you, your favor these days. Well, thank you. We're working really hard. Well, I've, I've always heard uh, that I've never had uh, such good luck since I've worked so hard. Oh, so so true, man. Right. Like, it's so true. Um, not just like uh, like actually like just hustling, but just like um, like just like trying to be better you know like at the end of the day like if you want to be like on the top of of your game you have to be like very emotionally in tune with yourself and that's something like I, I think that one of the things that I'm like the most critical of myself is like you know I'll go through my whole day and at the end of the day I'll, I'll like sit back and be like oh fuck that was like an emotional reaction or like that was something that I said out of insecurity or like you know and I have these like tough conversations with myself every night and um it's like when I, once I made that like a conscious decision to be like, I guess like meditate, like that be like part of my life every every day, you know, like even if it's just for a couple minutes, dude, it's just like luck, like just uncanny amounts of luck just started like pouring into my life. It sounds so stupid, like a pyramid scheme or something, but. I'm so with you, man, because I just like manifested a lot of things in life and everything just started falling into place. And I totally get that. And that's something totally. that you and I were texting uh, to each other before we started recording. 
it was just like I was already feeling your vibe about growth and like how we keep moving forward. Totally. And it's just like, yeah, we work hard. You know, being emotionally in tune, absolutely feel that. Definitely got to check yourself every time. So like how does uh, outlining color operate in terms of roles? Like what would be like your writing process, I guess? Man, it's changed so much over the years. But right now, I'll, I guess like it, in the past, like typically we've been a band where we we demo everything out together. And like our guitarist, DJ, is like a producer himself. And he produces like a bunch of bands, some like really good bands. Right. So we've kind of u- always used him as a filter, like to demo out our material and we'll, we'll get stuff ready to go. And usually we'll have like a whole album and then we go to a producer and, you know, re-record it. Or sometimes we'll do things with CJ and farm out the mix or sometimes CJ does everything. Oh, yeah. But um, with this new stuff, we connected with our old friend Andrew Bayless, which is it's kind of crazy. Like he's been producing as long as we've been a band. And the first little tour that we ever did was with Life on Repeat, which was his band like way back in the day. Oh, that's crazy. I love that band. I love that oh, band. God. Dude, me too. Is that drummer for real? Dude, he is f- so for real. <laughs> he's because, so and he can skateboard. Good. He can skateboard too, like a motherfucker. Our drummer, like, and even especially like right then, like he was really into like techie, like, like he he was real good. He could like rip August Burns red covers and and shit like that. Damn. And uh, like he was like, <laughs> he was me- like every night he'd, he'd get like <laughs> right. really serious and just like watch that dude play drums every night because he's just <laughs> so good. Damn. We reconnected with Andrew, and um, like man, it was so crazy the way it happened because um, like basically right right before we started making music as a four piece, we got like the news that we had to do a tour as a four piece and we were just kind of like making that work and like going through the tour and like we didn't really know what we were going to do after that but halfway through the tour or something we had this this gap of dates where we were going to connect with slaves and do like five six shows with them and but there were like two three days off before we met up with them coincidentally halfway between where we were meeting up with them was Bayless and we were like well we need to get a hotel for a couple days um, and we're like just thinking like, you know, a couple hundred bucks a day, 300 bucks a day, two days. And Bayless is just like, yo, you guys should uh, come to my place. I'll let you stay here for a hundred bucks a day and uh, we can write a song. <laughs> we're like, <laughs> Shit, <"Dude>, okay. <laughs> so save money and also like see what happens when we try to write a song. Like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And it's somebody that we trust, you know, like, right. and, and that's that's good and so we, we went in like midway through tour, which typically isn't the most ideal time to go and, and cut something, you know, because like our voices are all trashed and we're getting sick from being on the road and shit. But we just kind of like grit through it for a couple of days and we wrote Ghost of You. Oh, hell yeah. We just kind of sat on that. That's what, I, what you were saying. I was like, oh. so what song was it? <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, when we finished it, we like we knew we were on to something and we were like the whole beginning of this tour, we were like, whoa, we've been a band for 10 years. Like we just lost our vocalist. Like what the fuck is going to happen? Like we, we, we didn't want to give up on it because like we'd all been doing it for the, that long, you know? Right. And um, we didn't know what was going to happen. And we had been talking about like, you know, like what we could we could make some music, see what happens. Like maybe we start something new and call it something different or 
And uh, after we did that song, we were like, oh, shit, like, we can do this shit. Like, no, we, can, we can make this happen. <laughs> yeah, so that's how you figured it out. Because I wanted to ask you how the new Outline and Color sound evolved and how the vocals are just like seamlessly like integrated. We started writing vocally centric. Like, you know, we, we started like turning into like, Bayless really kind of helped us connect the gap between music and the emotion, you know, and like make sure that the music matches the emotion of the lyrics and the delivery and a lot of things that like we hadn't really considered as much in the past i don't think but after we did ghost of you we were like fuck like we have to do more songs and um we're in the studio and bayless was like well i i don't have anything until march and at, starting in march he was like mega busy like pretty much all the time <laughs> so we're just like all right let's book a full length we had no money like no no fucking money so we we were just like we got to make this happen like and and we knew bayless was like about to take off like we he had like some stuff working and he'd been working with some clients that are starting to develop some traction and we we're just like we gotta get in with him while we can and uh he made a deal with us that was like a pretty generous deal and we were just like we'll figure it out and um we basically <laughs> made our own record label and and secured funding through a private investor to like to put that whole thing together and market it and do the music videos and you know all that stuff. I really love that you named it Broken Records because of the song Broken Record. Broken Records is actually not necessarily affiliate or affiliated to this these releases. It's basically my original LLC is Broken Glass Productions and and off of that like Broken Records started and I used Broken Records as a vehicle to put out uh, Jury of Wolves and then also like a couple other smaller like uh, local bands in Tulsa and like at, at one point a Misfortune release and um, it's just been something like basically just a label for me to use when I'm like personally servicing like uh, a release. So I want to talk about imposter syndrome for a second. And I want to know, because I know on your Instagram, uh, one of your headlines is that you are an imposter. So what is imposter syndrome? I feel like there's a theme with these two EPs. So me and my friend Kyle, uh, we've toured a lot together and we've had a lot of like deep introspective conversations. And at one point in time, we talked about imposter syndrome and it was something that he i think i don't know if it was a podcast or, or or some video that he watched that he had become aware of it but it was one of those moments where like somebody defined something that we felt like we had been experiencing our entire lives and just having somebody else define what it was made like life so much easier to like choke down you know and imposter syndrome essentially is just like when you wake up every day and you put in the work and you have the accolades or you're striving towards the accolades like you are like legitimate at whatever it is that you do but for some reason there's this voice in the back of your head that's like you're fake like you're not really like what you say you are are you really you yeah exactly and um that's something that's like been in my head like since i was a little kid and uh, anxiety was like another one of those things like i, I went like my whole fucking childhood like god i was probably 20 like for real, like I was probably 20 when I understood the phenomena with 
the word, you know, like where it like resonated to where I was like, oh, fuck, that's what that is. That thing where I just like feel sick all the time and like, <laughs> like, like it, it like yes. it just, I, I just never knew, you know, and it's just like, damn, like if I knew that, I don't know if medication was the answer, but there's probably some moments in my life that would have had a little bit more clarity, like having that uh, hindsight or that foresight, I guess. Um, so I, imposter syndrome is just my, and once, once me and Kyle had talked about this, I kind of like marinated on it for a long time. And when we, when it came to writing songs for the lyrical content, we, we just started with nothing in the studio, like just no music, no very little lyrics and, and just kind of went into it. And, um, when, when I started like writing a lot of ideas, they, they started having like a certain, tone or like voice to them and once I explained that feeling to John like it was something that he had also experienced and and related to I think everybody has experienced and can relate to that ex to some extent right but once he was vibing with it it just kind of like manifested itself pretty effortlessly at that point because it was I mean in my opinion a lot of our past material and I, I love all of our past material like I'm, okay. i've been a, i've been a band member since day one so I'm, I'm you know i'm proud of every release that we've ever done and i've been whether it was with the music or with the release or the the rollout or the communication with the label or management or like whatever like i've been integrally involved in every release that we've we've been a part of and i've learned so much through through every process so um Fuck that! That got me off. <laughs> off <topic. laughs> no, dude. Jay and I also shared sentiment about um, dealing with depression, anxiety, and stuff like that, and um, things that resonate with people as well. So, I mean, this is the right place to talk about those kind of things. Word. Well, I feel like it, in the past, like lyrically, there's been a lot of like emotional things that we've written about, but there's also been like a lot of things that I feel like people can't really relate to as much like we've had a lot of songs that were like we're in a band and this is really hard and we're getting fucked over by our record label and like it really sucks and you know we've had songs that were inspired by things that like the average listener probably can't relate to and with imposter syndrome that was one thing that like once i understood what imposter syndrome was and how that resonated for me it was something that I kind of wanted to like in my way kind of bring awareness to to other people because I feel like just like understanding that like there's that voice in your head that's like working against you sometimes and you just got to be like shut the fuck up and like deal with it man that sounds schizophrenic <laughs> but uh but you know what I mean like it, it there's, makes there's sense. just that that doubt that's in that's in your head like sometimes you just gotta like it's hard sometimes, but sometimes you just got to suck it up and like and, and push it down and mm -hmm. learning that 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 was real and that everybody deals with that, like made it easier for me to deal with, you know. And I think that's where I became such a strong fan. And you kind of talking about it kind of resonates with me very well, because it's like that makes all the sense of why I like Outline and Color, because in one of my notes, I was like, I'm hearing a voice and it's myself versus myself. Dude, yeah, that is literally like 98% of the lyrics. And like, okay. it's such a hard concept to, man, that's so cool that you figured that <laughs> out. Yeah, that's, so, that's so cool. That, that really makes me excited. But, um, you know, like empirically when it comes to lyrics, I usually am just like, whatever you take from it is like what it's meant to be. Because like, I want people to relate. And if they relate in a way that is different than what was necessarily my initial um inspiration like that's still really cool to me it's like you know 
people have a million different interpretations of the Bible. There's a million different religions. Like it's it's all like up to interpretation. Yeah. So that's a very common theme in my lyrics is like me versus me for sure. For so sure. so you write the lyrics. I would say most of the songs I establish the theme, but I wouldn't say that I write all the lyrics. I love that the theme is is established and there's a voice and there's like a a tone like you, like you said. So it's 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 open to interpretation, but. Thus far, we know what the interpretation is, and we can connect to it. So, like, since the beginning of Outlining Color, um, you know, you've been writing lyrics. Has that, like, evolved tremendously to the point where, you know, now is what you'd consider, like, I don't want to say a good product. It was never bad, you know? <laughs> like, is, like, right now self-actualization, is that where you wanted to be? Like, if, if you could talk to, you know, 10 years ago, Michael Skaggs is is right now where you wanted outlining color to be. I just always wanted to write stuff that was cool. <laughs> and now I want to connect with people. And I think that there was like a part of me like going through adolescence that shut that down and like I just isolated really hard. And now that I'm a bit older and like have had some like real relationships in my life and have had real relationships come to pass in my life, I I've kind of learned that I want to write things that connect with people because I want people to feel like they're not alone because ultimately like when I was growing up and like going to shows and listening to bands and stuff like that's what music was for me so I, I just want to it's for me as well you know it's expression but also like I want to be able you know it, it, there's people that listen to like music that's just like has I wouldn't say trash lyrical content but lyrical content that it's doesn't not meaningful yeah. yeah, yeah. Material that's not necessarily meaningful, but there's people that listen to it and they're like, this fucking changes my life. And they, they for some reason, they, they, they re really resonate with it. So I, I, I definitely get that. But like I had this awakening where like I, when I, I realized that there may not be that many people that listen to us, but the people that are listening to it and I, I'm a musician. So like I tend to not necessarily focus on things like lyrical content like i focus on the way a song sounds and if things are pitch melodically correct and it's sometimes i have to like take a few steps back to, and and put on a different cap to be that person but with outline and color the lyrical content stands out more for me because i'm the same as you skags like i'm like all right like the music is good like what's the whole vibe of the song it sounds good but when i'm listening to to like goodbye to all my to my friends it's just like i'm feeling the lyrics and then the music and it's just it flows very very nicely together and it's just exactly what you've explained what you're trying to achieve musically is what you are achieving because Thanks, the ideas in the studio and or the recording processes of what you guys are doing is absolutely, it's absolutely heard the way that you intend it to be heard. I appreciate that. And that's as a fan, but there's a lot of people out there who probably feel the same way. And I think that's why it resonates with a lot of people. I appreciate that. I, I think, you know, when I, I started taking a, a wider look at music, I noticed that the people that really collab a lot, they, they don't really go to these sessions where they have like tons of songs and ideas like created and ready to go. They, they typically go and they feel it out and they work on something collaboratively. And um, that, that got me into the, the idea of doing things fresh, you know, and not going into the studio with a bunch of pre, you know, conceived ideas. I think that kind of helps with the ability for people to relate because 
it, it's just right. It's very raw. It's very off the, the top, you know? I wouldn't say it's like freestyle, but it's like, it's, it's, right. it, I can't, I can't, there's not enough time for me to like be a wordsmith or be like clever and mince my words. Yeah, you're and not, like, yeah, you're not Pete Wentz. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like every once in a while, I'll write, like my, my favorite thing to do is to start or start and finish sentences with the same word, you know, where it, where it just kind of, and, and make it to where if you read it as a run on sentence, it means something different than if you, you take the break. I can't. I can't think of an example to show you. I I have to like look through lyrics. <laughs> no, you're, to, to you're point good. It I, was, out, but... I was an English major in college. I I completely. Understand <laughs> oh, you you would hate me. <laughs> I, I, no, no, no. The, I I like made uh, the best grades off of run-on sentences because I would just like, <laughs> it would be like so much punctuation in just one sentence because that's just how I talk in general. <laughs> totally. Me too. So a lot of bands are like working remotely. So what's your guys' approach? I know um, Oklahoma in the South is a little more like lax on the COVID restrictions restrictions but sure uh because they weren't hit so hard but like are you guys doing that you just working together what's going on you know like when things were more serious there were there were times where like we were we were doing very little and and interacting with each other very little i live with our drummer and uh our singer and guitar player or jonathan and, and cj live together as well so between the two of us we're only two households so you each have half the band <laughs> you know exactly okay. yeah so that's not so bad yeah are they in Oklahoma as well? Yeah, they live like 20 minutes away from me. Um, they're like five minutes away from the hash lab that I work at. It's really actually like not like, you know, when I was a kid, I fucking hated it here. But like I moved away. I lived in Denver for like six years, lived in Vegas for a while and came back. And mm -hmm. it's really come a long way. And um, the weed money has helped like make it nicer here because they're making shit tons of tax oh, yeah. money. I really feel like that that business that you have really uh, propels the outlining color funding wise perhaps it actually hasn't yet um well i mean like i i i'm i mean i make money at, at my job and i put work money into you know band stuff right but you know most of my i'd say more screen printing money has gone into the band than that um most of my endeavors right now are, are pre-revenue but like i have i have a um and i guess what's today 14th about six weeks i'm moving to a farm cool it's like it's actually only two miles away from here okay um but uh so something bigger yeah it's like a little three acre four acre farm and it's got a little house on it but um i just bought a uh like a 40 foot shipping container with one of my buddies and um we're building that out with like a bunch of grow lights and um we're basically building like a climate controlled uh, indoor grow up and then we also have this like 60 by 60 fenced in area that we're doing an outdoor op in oh, yeah. and um, essentially what we're doing is we're we're growing uh, weed that's specifically for live extracts and we're just doing collabs with extract companies and essentially what we do is we just manufacture or cultivate and when everything is to term we harvest it freeze it and uh transport it to these different companies that do different kinds of extractions or the lab that I work at. And uh, most of these companies have their own supply chain. So it's like we cultivate, we send it, it gets processed. And then those processors send out the product through their oh, supply chains. Okay. And, you know, we basically we don't have to like move inventory. We just do what we do and they do what they do. And uh, it's pretty sweet because I already work for one of the bigger companies in the state. So I kind of have like an right. inside 
perspective on how all this stuff works. So that that's I'm kind of using it. my initial coming into this job actually was a uh, an internship that I asked for. And like, you know, just a few days into the internship, they were like, uh, do you want a job? <laughs> and uh, first I was kind of against it because I was, I was really upfront with them that like my, my point in taking the internship was to basically learn the, ins- the, the, the business from the inside out to, you know, replicate on my own. Um, but because I was so forthcoming with that, they were just like, you know. Yeah, what the hell? Just tell them how it works. Yeah, and I, I work really fucking hard. Like, I, I mean, I, I honestly don't know anybody that works like I do. Um, and, and it's only been recently that I can, like, even start saying that out loud. But, like, Congratulations. But, like I, work re- I work really fucking hard. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I have a really sweet gig with them. Like, mm-hmm. I get, um, you know, I get free product for, through through work. They, they believe that hash makers shouldn't want for hash so i don't i don't have to pay That's for probably that probably a good philosophy yeah yeah it's a sizable expense i mean we we make really high grade stuff at retails for like 70 dollars a gram wow. plus so that's really sweet i get paid a nice salary i'm kind of earning sweat equity in the company and it, it's really sweet i mean other than music like weed is my other love not just like smoking it but just i true i mean shit i don't know like i mean i literally have like a <laughs> A grow going on neck behind me this <laughs> this this thing behind me is is another tent those plants are sleeping we, like, we, ju- uh, I mean, we just saw it it's awesome <laughs> <laughs> um but you know i'm i it's one thing that i'm really passionate about and um it's been something that's really helped me deal with a lot of my you know anxiety and depression and weirdness and work life balance is so important man it's so funny because when i i I do love my job but it it is also a job and like sometimes it feels like a job Mm -hmm. and uh i do a cover band with with our drummer and uh, we practice every thursday um for like hour and a half Mm -hmm. but it's like something i really look forward to even though it's just cover songs it's like for that hour hour and a half i really can kind of like disconnect and like not think about anything other than singing and it really helps just deal with like whatever pressure is going on in the week or like, you know, sometimes you just build shit up in your head because, you know, you're at work and you feel the pressures of work. But yeah, I love what, what I do because I, th- I think it's really cool. And we're, we're because of the company that I'm with and like the, their establishment, like I, I'm getting to do things every day that are pretty much on the cutting edge of, of this industry. Yes. And which is really fucking cool. I get to try things like mm-hmm. I, can, I can conceptualize ideas and be like, hey, guys, what do you think about this? And if they're like, let's give it a shot. Mm-hmm. Like and sometimes like we figure out really cool things that haven't been tried before just because the sheer volume of material that we're working with or any number of factors right that's a very new industry it really is so on top of that you know there's there's a lot of ideas left totally well it's only been recent recently that like real engineers have felt comfortable Mm -hmm. getting involved in that space because like you know before it was kind of like putting yourself in a precarious situation to devote any amount of your livelihood to developing something that was for something that was illegal. Right. You know? <laughs> like, so speaking of how much of a businessman you are, because that's just what I'm portraying you to be, because you're, you're just going, you're moving fast. You, you don't stop moving. You're doing great. But you've been involved with um, a lot of features recently. I'm talking about yeah. like Patient 67. Yeah. You did a collab with Kaylee Wolf. It was an OC. It was an Outline in Color song um, called Punishment. And then that EDM track, um, if I said that right, I'm not into electronic music as much as you are, but uh, that was with Slugs and it's called Hostage. Let's talk about that, those collabs a little bit. The song with Kaylee, we, we had one song on, on imposter syndrome that needed a feature and she, we had a short list of people 
and uh, she was at the top of the list, and she was also like very, like yes, I want to do this, like let's do this, and yeah, and uh, she fit right in. Oh yeah, she killed it, and and she from the get go, she was like, oh, if you want me to fly in for the music video, if you cover my flight, like I'm down, like don't worry about it, like oh hell yeah, there was like I felt like the because uh, I watched the video and I felt like it was an intimate performance. I felt like there was a like she connected with you as much as like we connect with you as well, but it was like. She got it. Like she, she understood where it was. Totally. It was actually really cool because she flew in when we were doing two videos and her video was on day two. So she, she actually kind of like hung out with us the day before like her sh- shoot and got to see us like film a video for another song. Oh, hell yeah. By the time we had filmed the video with her, uh, you know, like we, we had already chilled the day with her and, um, you know, we had been acquaintances through, you know, touring and traveling or at least she'd even done like merch designs and stuff for us in the past so that's kind of how that came together and we even did like a a little live performance for that song that was on this little like online slash on tv tv show thing um and it was in la so she just came out there when she lived there uh and performed with us so that was pretty cool and then uh what else did we do with the the edm collab was with uh my friend rated r and He's been a, a homie of mine for a long time. I, I was I was DJing for for Kyle Lucas on a Slaves tour in like 2017 or 2018 or something like that, and he uh, he came out to the Orlando show, and we've kind of been really close ever since then. And um, he's been kind of like an underrated uh, dubstep DJ. It's been grinding for a long time, and just recently he started getting like big time support from big time djs in the scene and mm-hmm. he uh he and i had wanted to do a track f- together for a long time so right that was kind of we've been sitting on it for a long time and he he finally he linked up with uh snails which is kind of like a predominant figure in the dubstep industry and uh he signed a record deal with him and the single that we did together was um like the 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 EP single for his his release. So it was kind of cool to be a part of something because I've been watching him grow for a long time and mm-hmm. he, he's finally getting like put on the big festivals and supporting the big artists and big artists are dropping his tracks and like their performances and stuff. And it's just cool to see. So what it is is that you're connected with so many different people. You're, you, you've networked with so many different styles of music and integrated that into your own band, Outline and Color. And I think that's why outline and color has such an eclectic sound oh, and i've seen sure. i've seen that you have uh put your hands on the uh the dj edm oh yeah yeah i've i've i i worked really briefly at a uh, a boutique edm booking agency back fuck it was like 2013 2014 can you explain boutique edm booking agency please? <laughs> <laughs> um well, I mean, I guess like the the industry has progressed quite a bit in in the last like six seven years. But when mm-hmm. when I was working for this particular company, they represented several artists that were very large in their own right, but unaffiliated with any major labels, management, booking agents, anything like that. They were just kind of like rogue. Um, because Oklahoma is a weird place to be like launching a music career. Yeah. But if you have the artists, you know, you kind of command a certain respect in the music industry. Like if you're a manager and you represent, you know, artist X, Y, Z, whatever, 
like, you know, Post Malone, people are going to treat you a certain way because they're like, oh, fuck, that's Post Malone's manager. You know, like they're, they're going to mm-hmm. metaphorically suck your dick. But I, I worked at uh, this particular idiom agency and I helped to discover this group called Caked Up that ended up b- becoming massive. They, they toured with like S- Steve Aoki and like mm. um, some real, real big shit. Isn't Diplo in that? Uh, no, they did stuff with Diplo too. Okay, maybe that's where I'm getting it from. Basically, uh, they blew up. They did some really big shit, and it, it was a duo. And um, I, I booked maybe their first like ten or dozen shows or something, and then things just started like wheels off the tracks. Like every booking agency started hitting us up and being like, "Yo, what's up with this band? And like, what's up with this act? Like, what what are they doing?" And it became evident like really fast that me, like a green booking agent. I was not going to be able to hold on to them for very long because like these agents were going to just start showing up at shows and being like, Hey, I can get you on tour with this guy. I can get you on tour with this guy and like try to sign them. So my company was also a management company. So they pulled caked up into a management contract Hmm. uh, so that they would be able to hold on to them. And then they took them to CAA, which is like one of the biggest booking agencies in the world. They they had the same booking agent as like pretty lights and the chain smokers and like, you know, some really affluent artists. But at a certain point, they the duo became one. And shortly after that, like, he was going through some shit and um, he parted ways with his management. And because I was part of discovering them in the beginning, his previous manager, who I was still pretty cool with, called me and was just like, hey, you're one of, like, five people in the music industry that this guy trusts and he might reach out to you and like ask to if you can help him out because he's in a hard spot in the music industry he just lost his his partner he just lost his his agent like things are kind of rough and um they basically were just like yo we just want to let you know if he reaches out to you we 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 support you like you, you don't have to worry about like what we think about it like we're, we're good well that's cool not where I thought that was going at all. It was really yeah. like throw him off the face. <laughs> not me. Not me either. I, like when I got the phone call, I was just like, where is this going? But we ended up like talking and uh, I helped him get back on the ball. Like I got him some shows in China and um, I got him some support stuff like opening for some like big artists. And somewhere along the line, he was just like, dude, like I'm doing these shows and I'm doing them alone and like. I just wish you were here and like, I, you know, like you should, you performing every night with your band, trying to make shit happen. Like you should just come out with me and like, you know, you can still be in your band and, but like, you know, you should be doing big shit and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, fuck yeah, this is my break. You know, like, a, <laughs> right. so like, you know, I moved to Vegas for a while and we started playing out like all the time. Like in one month I did like 33 flights. Jesus. Um, oh, and oh, flew like, all over the country. Uh, it was crazy. But like, you know, we got to open up for like Migos and Lil Uzi Vert and Lil Pump and like Walk a Flock of Flame and like some crazy shit. Yeah. Yeah. So I've seen that you have like a rap ability. Let's talk about that. And because I, I've seen it and I can also hear it as an influence for the new Outline and Colors sound. I mean, it's no no secret. Hip hop and metal are like my my two like musical loves, and it, it's always been mm-hmm. my goal for outline. Though my capacity in influencing that goal has been different over the years, it's always been my goal to fuse those things together. And it's ve- it's very tolerable because it's not going to be overly 
hip hop. It's more like right. a, a weekend kind of vibe, and it's not the the Migos uh, like choppy yeah. vocal style. Nah, it, I, I'm not trying to like be anything that I'm not, you know. And like I don't know, like a lot of people don't know this, but like I've been to prison. <laughs> like, um, like I'm I'm not trying to like rap about being in prison or like how hard I am or like any 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 shit like that. I just want to write about like shit that people can relate to and stuff. And I, I may do some like weird. I do I do weird side project stuff. I I will warn you that there's all sorts of stuff that I have done that it's not. You're, out you're yet staying that, very active. Yeah, yeah. Then and some of the stuff that I do takes on like a different tone, you know. And like like I have this like I have this project that I work on with uh, this guy named Lucas that was in a band called Consider Me Dead that was like kind of big like back in the day and the stuff that we write is very like electro pop like hyper pop like black bear meets like an aneurysm like <laughs> uh, <laughs> like it's really like it's it might not be your thing at all and the lyrical content's all over the place and and right. and i have i have more fun with that because like i don't i don't feel as like it's necessarily my like outline is like at least right now my 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 source of like real expression you know but like i also like to act and like you know do stuff like that via music i want to talk a little bit about um how you and grimes integrate that sound vocally because it really just melds together and how how does this work how does one choose to uh sing this part and the other sing this part and then i know they're the, the vocals are layered as well like i'm just i'm i'm very curious it's taken a long time to get to the point that we're at right now, but me and John just like, we don't have an ego about it. And that that is the main thing that I think separates us from a lot of bands with competing vocalists. And it's just like, we just do what sounds right. And sometimes like, sometimes I'll write something and then we'll go and track it. And it's like, oh, that's too high for me. Or like, that doesn't, that's like a weird spot for my bridge for that key or like right. whatever. But John glides over it. So we're just like, oh yeah, John should definitely sing that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we just like hear the song and we're like, oh, that's a John part. Like that's a Skaggs part. Like it's, It took me a while to realize that the voices were both kind of contrasting each other. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, well, this is definitely two voices and then that's when i started thinking maybe there's two voices in the song because it's two personalities in the song there's definitely some of that too and a lot of times i like kind of i throw some of that on john like unknowingly <laughs> you know like i'm like this is what this is what the song is about but like you know i've already kind of like constructed like a dialogue that's like you know or like a me versus me kind of thing mm -hmm. and john is the other me in that scenario but because he has this more universal idea of the song sometimes he's able to like pull back a little bit and provide like you know uh, and he he helps a lot more with the hooks a lot of the time and damn those hooks though <laughs> oh yeah dude John, john's really good with melody that's it's kind of crazy the way that our writing process works because i would say that i write i i would say i write a lot but there's this this fucking really beautiful thing that happens when me and john work together where like Sometimes I write whole songs by myself, you know, and then I, we, we just come together and I'm like, hey, here's this song I wrote. And then John will take it and make it his or he'll tweak it or, or something. And then and sometimes like I'll write something and I'll be like, hey, here's a spot. Can you write something for this part? And then he'll write some ideas and we'll kind of workshop it together. But sometimes like I'll have this idea and I'll write it and I'll record it. And then John will just like come in and he'll be like, perfect example is... Um, 
<sighs> uh, I think Vertigo. That's that's okay. a new that's a new favorite of mine. <laughs> Hell yeah! Well, in the, in the hook, like the tired of watching you, tired of watching you. Like we had already mm-hmm. written the whole hook for that, and John just like came in one day, like after we had like more or less moved on from that song, or maybe we were still finishing it, but like he came in and was just like, "Man, I had this idea last night." Like. We're like, and, and it was weird because he was singing the hook, you know, in that part. So it was like weird for him to have, I wouldn't, not necessarily weird, but like different for him to have another idea to go on top of his idea, you know, like usually that's like a second perspective kind of thing. But he was just like, oh, I had this idea. And he just like came in and sang, sang it. And we we're like, whoa, yes, that, <laughs> that. And like, that's like one of his favorite things that he wrote on the whole thing. A lot of John's contributions are these like subtle, but just like so impactful. And uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it, I say subtle, but like a lot of times it's like a huge, it makes such a huge difference. Like it, it gets very big. Yeah. I, I have this idea and then John comes in and I'm like, whoa, you like took my idea to this place that I didn't even know that it could go. And now it's like, it's our idea now. And it's like, I think that that's where like it gets to there because at that point, like we both share even if I wrote the lyrics, even if he wrote the melody or I wrote the melody and he wrote the lyrics or I wrote everything and he tweaked it, like it's like it has to go through both of us. So by the time it's through both of us, it's ours. It's the bands. And, mm-hmm. every, you know, like it, we've always been like a, a all for one, one for all, like when it comes to like writing splits and stuff like that. Like if I write a song, like it's everybody's song. Like we don't we don't give like I'm taking 75 <laughs> percent because I wrote it and you guys can have the rest. Like we, we split it because, you know, we all work hard. Did you like know Jonathan for a long time before Outlining Color? Because it seems like you guys have like a very personal relationship because yeah. I mean, I've listened to some of these lyrics and they're like in your head, you know, we we've all known each other a really, really long time. Um, I I mean, I guess I probably should have mentioned that at the beginning when we were talking about the the beginning of the band. But, like, it's one of those things, like, I mean, I I played music for 10 years before Outline was Mm -hmm. a band, you know? So it's like, I could could talk about all that for a podcast, you know? But basically, like, we were all in different bands, you know, like, locally, and they were all shitty. But, like, Mm -hmm. we we all played shows, like, all the time. So, like, I saw CJ play with, uh, him and Forrest used to be in a band. And um, I played in a fuck ton of different bands. Uh, Austin was in this like cover band that played like heavy metal kind of covers and stuff. And John played guitar and sang in this like pop punk band. And we had all played countless shows together and through playing shows and like hanging out backstage and seeing each other perform, we had kind of um, identified each other as like the like serious members of each other's like respective groups. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So like, me, CJ, Forrest, and Austin basically like started the band. Um, like Forrest or C- Austin rather was like poised up to join Forrest and CJ's old band, and then that kind of disintegrated. And they were like, "Well, we're doing this new thing. Like you should you should be a part of it." And um, we made demos together and basically used those demos to get John and Trevor initially in into the band but like we we had played and you know known each other at least to some extent and obviously not to the extent we we know each other now but right um you know i've known john and cj probably 15 years and austin probably better better part of 12 oh yeah so it's pretty much been bit since like 
you know, you were a child pretty much at that point. High yeah. school. Yeah. Yeah. Like before I graduated high school, for sure. Yeah. Because, I, I mean, you can just see like on that interpersonal level, it really works with you guys in both lyrics and just like tonality in your voices. You know, you guys really like you match each other by accident. I feel like sometimes in like you're just yes. like, in the same yeah. headspace and like that, especially if you're. I feel like that would match up with like two guitarists that are a pair or, you know, two bassists that are a pair. I don't sure. know any bands with two bassists, but, <laughs> you know, two vocalists, especially. Skaggs, most personal favorite song from Outline and Color. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of one because there's like, they're all really personal because I, I really mm-hmm. just like, most of my lyrics are like literal thoughts. <laughs> um, yeah, but, and somehow you get into my own head about it. <laughs> Hell yeah. And I'm like, why do I feel like this is happening to me right now? And it's not. Yeah, but it is an interpretation too sometimes. And I can, sure. you can take some words out of it and then the music makes you feel something very huge. It, it, like outline the new outline and color songs really just hit you straight in the heart. If it's like a softer song or a harder song, it doesn't matter because the lyrics will carry you through and you just have a a different feeling for every song. I feel like in the metalcore scene or alternative scene that outline and color between the two imposter syndrome EPs that there is a song for anyone and everyone. That was my implicit goal with that collection of music was I knew that you know, by changing up the dynamic of our band that even without changing anything musically, it was going to be divisive, you know? So I mm-hmm. wanted to do, and it's always been in my interest that we do be a band that does whatever we want to do, you know? Like if we, I would, I, I don't mm-hmm. see us writing a country song, but like, but if we did, like, I want it to be like good, you know? When we made the Lady Gaga cover, like when we first started. Which song, which, which Lady Gaga cover? Bad Romance, like in like 2010, 2011. But we did that cover and that was like the main reaction that we got from people was like, fuck Lady Gaga, but like (laughs) this song is sick. Or some people would be like, I don't really like metalcore, but like I like Lady Gaga and I listen to this song and I Mm -hmm. like it now. Right. Um, And and we would get those like the people that like don't really listen to metalcore, but they listen to like Pop Goes Punk, you know, We, we we were getting fans off of that. and. This was like when it's it, it definitely is getting your foot in the door. Yeah. So like but like the general notion of that, like just like of making people like something that they don't think that they like. I've, I've just always really like dug that concept, you know. So, I, you know, when we made Imposter Syndrome, I was, there's a couple songs on there that, like, if you like our heavy song, like, you're probably not going to like Vertigo or, like, or Alibi. But maybe you do. And if you do, it's going to be, like, the exception, you mm-hmm. know? It's going to be, like, I normally listen to heavy shit, but this song goes pretty hard. Or, like, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, that was, like, one of the things that I really wanted to to encapsulate in, in that, that body of, of, of music was that, like... Maybe you don't like every song, but like if you give it an open ear, there's something that you can appreciate on there, you know? Mm-hmm. See, that's why I was always so attracted to it is because I like indie acoustic stuff. Like, dude, Never Shout Never, fucking love that shit. Uh, fucking Jason Mraz, like LP. John Mayer. Not to cut you <laughs> off, but swear to God, swear to God, the original inspiration for Outline and Color, like our, our EP, it was uh, Eat Me While I'm Hot that that ep <laughs> swear to god <laughs> yep but that that was before attack attack that was before Good job, uh, of mice and men that was before uh, memphis yep. may fire was like right. really kicking it with maddie and you know like you know when we first started out they're really 
uh, weren't a lot of bands doing like what we were doing at the time, you know, not to say that we're like super original, but like that's right. where we were pulling from, you know, <laughs> like my, my point on that was I, I find it very interesting that you guys have like this in the matter of an EP, like, you know, the two imposter syndromes. Um, you guys have songs that, you know, I had banged to in the car and then songs that I would also show my grandmother, you know, like totally. <laughs> and there's no like in between. It's just like left, right. And both of them are just so equally well done. It's very impressive. I, I like I like that. Uh, that scheme you guys got going on. If I had a dollar for every time my mom has said, I like this, but does it have to have screaming? Like, you know, like, you know, I wanted to do, I wanted to do stuff oh. that I could show my, my family too. You know, my dad is like one of my biggest fans. Definitely. And, like, he'll call me all the time. Oh, that punishment. Right. That's a, that's a good cut. That's a, that's a good cut. You know? And, <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. I always wondered like how parents received, um, very like brutal music at some point in time. Cause this could be, it could be very jarring yeah but it's like okay well goodbye to my friends is is something that we can share with uh with momo totally totally so back to the question what is your personal favorite song i was literally about to say a song that we haven't put out yet and and it's literally a song that we haven't put out yet but it's because um it's something that i wrote a really long time ago like 2018 2009 now definitely 2018 2017 and I, it was like the first thing that I ever wrote myself that I was just like, this is fire. Like, this, this, is, this, this is really good. <laughs> like, I don't need to give this one away. Complete fire. Um, and I, I, sh I showed it around to people, and including some people at some, like, very affluent companies. And uh, it was the first thing that I ever did myself that I got, like, a tremendous amount of response on. And um, I developed the idea with another group that was supposed to do stuff that didn't do stuff. And uh, I was always like really remiss that the the song never came out because it was it was really important to me, and it it just bothered like the way that I was with the the, the songwriter at the time. We we were just like not cool, and it wasn't going to be something that I could just like reappropriate for Outline and Color, and like it would require some like mending and and stuff like that. So like I started at zero and I took all of the original theme. Like I actually went back through like my splice account and like found like the, the time area that I was like making songs and I found all of the original samples that I used. And then I reimagined like the song before I collaborated with, with this other individual. And then, and then I took that idea to, to Bayless and we collaborated on it with uh, Joey from the used and this girl that's, uh, ironically mitch tenpenny's girlfriend and like a really big country artist but it's not country at all she just w worked with us because she didn't want to do she wanted to do something different than like she had been doing you know so we're getting so we're getting an outline and color country song it, it's just no inevitable. It's, it's not country at all um <laughs> but it's really cool and uh we got uh michael swank from micro relocate on it and it's it's wow really Micro relocates from Lafayette, Louisiana, and I was very good friends with those guys. Hell and I yeah. played shows with those guys as well. They good are very dudes. very talented. They're they awesome. Talented. They're good dudes. Too. Oh yeah. Love, those guys are awesome. Love those guys. Played many shows with those guys. First tour other than the, after the Life on Repeat was like a weekend warrior kind of thing. They were like mm -hmm. our first like real like two week tour. In regards to like shows and stuff, what would you say is the most difficult to perform? 
Oh, fuck. Um, like, this can be, like, technically difficult or just, like, emotionally difficult. Like, last year, it would have been different, but I've been doing this cover band thing, and I just really leaned into to the COVID thing, and, like, I'm not somebody that can sit on my hands, and, like, being locked in my house for, like, a long period of time is not good, so I had to have things to do. So I channeled all of that energy, and, uh, you know, I've got, like, an hour and a half cover band set now with with uh, Austin and a couple of our friends and it made we basically started it being like I pick a song you pick a song you pick a song until we finally got some sort of vibe going and then we started being a little bit more methodical about our song choices but inevitably I've sang a bunch of songs that um, I never thought that I would sing and some of them that were really 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 challenging Um, I do uh uh, backcountry by Avenged Sevenfold in like the okay. the, the key that it's actually <laughs> like you know performed in. M Shadows just has like that. He does that everything to it. Well, and yeah, and he does the falsetto, and he does like, like he he does all like he's got an interesting sound, but he's also a very versatile uh, singer. And that song was really really fucking hard for me to learn how to sing, and I. Ugh, really, really hard. And there's some others that were really, really hard, but inevitably, like practicing things that I would never practice every week, like made me get to the point where everything that I wrote on imposter syndrome is very performable for me at this point. Um, it's just a matter of like, am I having a good day or like, am I sick? Or like, if I'm having a good day, I feel warmed up, like, I, I feel good about all those songs. Right on. But we know that outline and color coming into like a four piece. And I know we touched that, but you coming on as frontman, dropping from your your bass position, what was that experience like? I've kind of been like auxiliary energy, if you will, for the band. Like I, I've I've always mm-hmm. been like a notable presence on stage through other people's accounting, not myself, my own. <laughs> it's it's apparent. It's apparent. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, but we we showcased for some labels like towards. I'd say probably like six or eight months prior to Trevor's departure, but we showcased for some really big labels, which is something that we had done early in our career and not since then. But we basically showcased for one of our dream labels and um, they pulled us aside and they were just like, yo, it's it's you and, and Trevor. Like, you, you know, you guys are the ones like pulling the energy on stage. And at the time we were just like, what the fuck? Like, why is not everybody else not pulling their weight? But <laughs> it took some time to like kind of grow into it. So like, realize that like everybody's got their strengths and that we got to play into them and like the four piece thing really balanced it out like personality wise and um you guys are in a good place yeah we all have some level of stability in our lives too i mean like we're not like well off by any means we're all like pretty much paycheck to paycheck kind of individuals but like we're all building towards something bigger and it's we're not stuck in our, mm-hmm. our situation. It's like the where we are now is like not where we were a year ago and a year before that, you know. So it's it's slow, but but it's gradual progress. So I also want to know specifically what are you listening to now, and how does that influence how you write? With imposter syndrome, I wasn't listening to anything at all. That's an interesting perspective. I, I mean, I've listened to music my whole life, you know, like I, I felt like a couple months of like clarity, like I just didn't want, I think what had happened to us in the past was that we like, we write music and then like some more music starts coming out and we're like, oh fuck, like we should, we should do some stuff like that. Or like we should tweak this or maybe that song's not good or maybe that. And I, I just wanted to like, 
I wanted to escape from those kinds of thoughts. Like I just wanted to be like, let's start fresh. Let's ride. Cause there's this, when you ride a vibe in the studio, like everybody gets really excited and you just, you fuel off of that feeling. And that's what I, I just wanted to capture that moment for every song, you know, and, and think about it afterwards. I was working with people that were professional enough that I knew that like, if we got all the takes that it was going to turn out really good, you know? Right, exactly. Because I don't listen to other podcasts. I don't either. <laughs> I never do. I I used to, and I don't now because the fact that it I don't want to hear what other people are, how they sound, and I just want to continue to sound. You have a vision for it because I don't yeah. want to get derailed totally. and distracted. Now, I feel the same way. I still listen to music um, for listening pleasure but like a lot of it is not like music that's in the scene like i always check out my homies and stuff and like you know some mm -hmm. of their you know there's Support. A, yeah and there's always a track where i'm like oh this is fucking really fucking awesome like i love this shit but i mostly listen to like hip-hop and I'll, I'll restate the question like what is like your your top bands it's it's like kind of a multi-level thing for me because there's like bands that i admire for like what they have going on on a business front there's bands that mm -hmm. i'm like oh man if i could tour with anyone it'd be that band or and then there's like bands that like i just like actually like love their music and stuff you know so right i really love the band star set i think that they're doing like some really cool <laughs> shit right now and uh I think that they have like a pretty unique, they're kind of towing a, like an EDM line, but it's like not too much. It's just like a little bit. And I think that they're doing a good job of it with like the, I think the theatrics and the, the, the stuff that they bring to it is like pretty well executed. A lot of it's not like necessarily my thing, but yeah. they definitely have some songs where I'm like, like that Manifest song goes so hard. Manifest goes pretty fucking hard though. <laughs> I do like Star Set. It's a very general band and they they execute just just fine. Moving forward, what is the outlining color sound that listeners should expect? Because you guys have kind of like evolved with this, you know, you were like very traditional metalcore when you first started. Now we're like introducing a lot more uh, like EDM effects and stuff going on. It's a little more chill, I want to say. Mm -hmm. And still heavy. Yeah, like what you guys lost in speed, or I guess change is a better term, but what you guys lost in speed, I mm -hmm. feel like you made up for in depth. Thanks. Yes. So, like, what what kind of sound should we expect in, like, going forward up to 2025? We did an EP in October, and we, like, it was really cool. We got to, like, oh, man, I probably shouldn't say all this stuff, but I'm going to anyway because I don't give a Fuck. Uh, well, well, if you don't want it to be on the show, we can edit it out, but w you can let us know. Nah, that's, that's all good. I don't care. We we did some co-writes, uh, both remote and in person, with members of Sleeping With Sirens, The Use, uh, As I Lay Dying, Jelly Roll. Um, yeah, we, we did some... We had some wild shit. But, like, I don't know, more, more so with this EP, it's like, you know, there's kind of something... It's a little bit more dynamic, but like there's still something for everyone. Like there's this like straight up like it could be like a rock like radio song, you know. And then there's a song that's like a big like metalcore rock core like ballad, um, but it's not like ballad in like the like the slow song we just put out like way. It's like it's like a a really emotional song. It's like a ride, and it's like really wavy. Mm -hmm. And then we've got this one that's like straight, like like a breakbeat, like uh, like super fast and like 
uh, to to mm-hmm. note to your uh, slowing down. It's like actually like probably the fastest song <laughs> we've ever made. Um, but uh, and it's just like super thrashy, and there's a little bit more like the the hip hop mm-hmm. like kind of today's Western inspired like vocal stylings in, right. in that song. But with any sound that Outline and Color decides to do, I feel like you guys will really just accomplish it and execute it very well. So that kind of just got me super excited to hear. What I like, I mean, like on a brand level, that's like what I want our like core mm-hmm. fans. Like that's what I want from them. Like I don't want them to like look at us and be like, man, I hope their next record sounds like their last record. I want them to be like, whatever they do, like I'm going to fuck with it. Like it might not be my favorite. I might like mm-hmm. the last one more, but like I'm going to fuck with it. And I know that they're going to put the work into it and they're not going to like cut the corners or like try to do a cash grab or like. I think that is the shift within the music the music industry. And I think that you're way ahead of what your peers are doing. And that's why you're getting traction. Oh, I, I like to think so too. And uh, things are happening um, almost daily that like are testament to mm-hmm. that we're, we're heading on the right path and and that you know this shit's going to be worth it one day <laughs> yeah well you definitely are because of don't want to try anymore it was a huge success as soon as the ep released you know we've we've kind of put a slow song on every long release that we've we've ever done and we while imposter syndrome one and two were separate eps they all the material was recorded at the same time mm-hmm. um in fact like it wasn't like one through five five through six you know it was like we we picked what songs were on what ep afterwards but you know that was you know we knew we wanted to do one slow song and um you know i've been through plenty of my share of heartbreaks mm-hmm. and uh john as well and uh, at the time, John was actually going through like a little bit of a personal crisis. And as much as it sucked for him, like it was very ideal timing for to be writing uh, a lyrical, you know, song such as that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we actually it was the last song that we finished for Imposter Syndrome. And like we were kind of getting to the point where we were a little burnt. It has that feeling. Yeah, like we're we're real tired and like that, but it like totally went with the lyrics because like that. No, it makes it like somber and like it. Yeah, transpired yeah. very well. Yeah, it, it, it. We we didn't even really notice it when we were doing it because we're just like, God, oh, I just want to fucking finish the song. It's the last <laughs> song. We could, like you know, we had it written, but we had to like you know get all the layers and all the harmonies and like you know where our voices were fucking gone. And we we ended up talking to uh, my friend Kyle and and his girlfriend is like a really talented lyricist, and they've written ghost written a lot of pop songs. And we took like all of the ideas that we had, and we we're, we had a, a good chunk into the song but like i think we had written like the chorus the bridge and the uh the uh the first verse and we were kind of dry on the second verse and we got to collaborate with with kyle and then he helped us like kind of polish up some of the other ideas to make it all congruent and come across and um it was really cool because like you know it's the stuff that like normal musicians do all the time you know like collaborate with other people and bring other people's ideas into the the uh the equation and you know for some reason empirically we just really hadn't even when we did albums that we were like produced by producers we would do them ourselves and then be like here's our songs make them sound like your yes. production okay I you know like like we we go mm-hmm. to cameron mizell and we wrote a holy uh, album and mm-hmm. you know 
it was complete. Like we had recorded files that were like, you know, if we would have sent them to somebody, they could have mixed it and it wouldn't have been the album that we put out, but it was, it was recorded, you know? You did work with a, a few producers that are very like staples in the scene. Uh, Joey Sturges. Yeah. He, he mastered uh, our EP when he was working on Asking Alexandria's first record just like and, in his uh, spare time when, like, when he sent the first like mix back of uh every boy should collect knives he was like in the studio with them and they were like watching him like you know work on our shit and um he put those gated reverse snares that he you know whoosh, you know yeah, that he puts right. in everything but he put them on like every single like <laughs> snare in the chorus right and like we were so pumped to be working with him but mm -hmm. we, but we had to be like that's not a great idea you think you could take like 75 percent of those out <laughs> but that was like our first experience working with him we didn't want to offend him but we were like could you take like 75 percent of those out <laughs> but like th back then like like he legit sent us the master via cd via mail oh wow that's pretty cool. That, that's like a nice keepsake. I hope you still have that. Yeah, we do. I actually have this. It's up in my closet, but I have this like box that has just crazy old memorabilia and, and stuff from the band. And it's like basically a time capsule. It's all taped up and says, do not open till 2030. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or 2025. Yeah, which, yeah, which <laughs> open in case of apocalypse. <laughs> right. Oh, dude. It, might, it might come soon. <laughs> right. Awesome, man. Well, look, uh, it's been a great conversation. Absolutely. And um, I think that you just killed it here, man. Like, oh, thanks, man. Absolutely. <laughs> I, had a really, I had a really good time. It didn't even really feel like a podcast. It just felt like a hangout other than the whole like digital faces. And <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us on Poolside Podcast. Um, Skags, if you want to, you can go ahead and plug your socials, uh, your Instagrams and whatnot. Instagram, Twitter is uh, SK, the number four, GGS, an outline in color, all one word on every platform. Uh, there's no music bullshit or any of that, just outline in color. And uh, thank you listeners for checking out this interview. Take a screenshot of this episode and post it where you post things, just wherever you want, share it in any way that's convenient. Uh, we always appreciate it and it means the world to us. Like I said earlier, word of mouth means so much to us. It definitely does. Follow us on Instagram, Poolside Podcast, and comment on our posts. Absolutely. And thank you so much for listening to Poolside Podcast. I've been Jay. I've been Blake. I have been Skaggs. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Dig it. And we'll see you next time. Absolutely. Bye, guys. Thanks, thanks Skaggs. You're awesome. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Try to get aggression, pedal to the floor, we be present in a race, we be stressing.